Laudator Jesus Christus. Praise be Jesus Christ. This is Matt Gaspers, Managing Editor of Catholic Family News, and I'm joined as always by my friend and colleague, Dr. Brian McCall, who is the Editor-in-Chief of CFN. Hello, Brian. It's hard to believe we're only one week away from the beginning of Lent. Yes, it is hard to believe. It'll be here uh, before we know it. Yes, next week we'll when we're coming to you, we'll be in the season of Lent already. Hmm. Uh, so this week uh, we've got some interesting stories to cover with you, as always. Uh, we're going to start out with some a positive story today, a word of congratulations to Harrison Budker of the Kansas City Chiefs, who, as many of you know, is or may know, is a uh, traditional Latin mass attendee, and he kicked the winning field goal in the Super Bowl. So congratulations to him. We have some couple uh, images to show and then his reaction or his comments after the game giving glory to God for his for the victory. Uh, we're also going to look at some more responses that have emerged to the FBI's uh, targeting of traditional Catholics, one from a group of state attorneys general and then one from the Bishop of Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we're also going to look at some further implementation of the infamous Traditionis Custodes in two U.S. dioceses. Also updates on the German synodal way, as well as the global synod on synodality. And we have a very humorous video to share with you from the North American Continental Assembly, as it's called. Uh, when we get to that segment, you'll enjoy that. And then time permitting, uh, we're going to cover... At the end, a $1.7 trillion appropriations bill or spending bill, which was signed into law by President Biden just before the new year on December 29th, which apparently, uh, apparently empowers big pharma in some alarming ways. So we'll try to get to that as well. I've got a lot to cover today. But before we get into all of the news, as always, we will take a few moments to spend, uh, to ponder the things that are above, as St. Paul says, and look at the church's liturgical calendar, try to ground ourselves in the spiritual riches of Holy Mother Church. So we're coming to you on Thursday, February 16th, the year of our Lord, 2023. And there is no saint assigned on the traditional Roman calendar today. It is a feria, so it's the Thursday after Sexagesima Sunday, which we just celebrated. So if you went to Mass today, the traditional Mass, you would have the Epistle and Gospel uh, from Sexagesima Sunday. I just wanted to read a few verses from the end of the Epistle, which I've always found very encouraging for myself personally, and I think all of us, especially in these difficult times we're living uh, would do well to reflect on these, especially in preparation for Lent. So the epistle is from the 12th chapter of St. Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians, where he's he has just finished in the previous chapter talking about all of the trials and tribulations he has faced. Remember our Lord said, which we heard on um, January 25th, the feast of his conversion, you know, our Lord said, I will show him how much he will suffer for my name. And so St. Paul's recounting some of those sufferings from various sources. Um, but he also talks about um, be, basically being shown uh, heaven, being taken up, whether in the body or out of the body. He didn't know. God knows. Um, and he says, ultimately, towards the end of the epistle for Mass, and lest the greatness of the revelations should exalt me, in other words, those visions that he was shown of heaven to being taken up into the third heaven is what he calls it. Mm -hmm. 
There was given me, he says, a sting of my flesh, an angel of Satan to buffet me. And we don't know exactly what that is, some sort of a temptation or some some difficulty. And he goes on, for which thing thrice, three times I besought the Lord that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for power is made perfect in infirmity. I think that's something all of us can relate to. All of us have, of course, a predominant fault, uh, something that we struggle with in our spiritual life or a, a difficulty in our temporal life of some kind. So we need to remember those words of our Lord. My grace is sufficient for thee, for power is made perfect in infirmity. So St. Paul ultimately says, Gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may dwell in me, for which cause I please myself. In other words, I am content in my infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am powerful. So again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. So it's a, a really powerful uh, epistle this Sunday. I think the epistle and gospel taken together, I read this somewhere for this past Sunday, are the longest of the liturgical year, if I remember mm-hmm. right. Uh, but they're very, very rich. And that that subject about kind of our infirmities and our weaknesses and, um, you know, not having this sort of Pelagian idea we can overcome them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're interested, we have in our upcoming paper that we publish soon an excellent article by a, a great traditional Catholic who's a trained clinical psychologist who's going to actually address some of those issues and that temptation, particularly of scrupul- mm-hmm. scrupulosity, that like I can overcome all my faults, right? I can fix everything uh, and not and not just rely on the grace of God. So uh, a lot in there and again, really some very, an excellent article that will be coming out in our March paper. So please subscribe yes. before March 1st so you can, you can read it. Absolutely. And just a reminder, our February paper has lots of great content as well. Here's what it looks like, the front page. So if you're not already subscribed, make sure to sign up. We got a great front page article by uh, Chris Ferrara, a legend in his own right in the traditionalist movement on uh, what's called the Benedictine Respite and Bergoglio's Revenge. So you can get an idea of what that's about, but lots of great content in there as well. And as we said, uh, next week, Wednesday is already Ash Wednesday. So it's yes. time to get ready for our, for the, our solid observance of Lent. Hang on, I really I want, go ahead. beautiful if you can read if you can get to a, a solemn mass you know or a, a sung mass particularly for for Ash Wednesday uh, if not read in your missal the prayers for the Ash Wednesday mass are beautiful particularly the blessing mm-hmm. of the ashes and uh, just the whole it sets so beautifully the whole tone of Lent yes mm-hmm. and real quick before we go into our first story I wanted to share with our viewers. Uh, 1 Peter 5 in association with census fidelium and also um, a Catholic life. And uh, the man behind a Catholic life is Matthew Pleasy, who writes for CFN on a monthly basis. And we've, uh, Brian has interviewed him about one of his books based on his Roman catechism series. They have a new uh, sodality. It's called uh, The Fellowship of St. Nicholas. And it's all about a new tra- basically calling traditional Catholics, all Catholics, back to a more rigorous form of fasting, especially as we enter into the season of Lent. So if you go to the uh, 1peter5.com and just search for announcement, new trad fasting sodality, you'll find that 
we reprinted a portion of it in the upcoming uh, March newspaper. We didn't have room to fit all of it, but kind of get the gist of it. So definitely check that out and consider, uh, consider joining. Yes. So with that, we'll uh, launch into our first story today. As I said, a very positive story. We want to Obviously, we don't support everything or maybe even most things that the NFL stands for, but we certainly do. Certainly not their halftime show. (laughs) Right. right. But we certainly want to give a shout out to our brother in Christ and fellow traditional Catholic Harrison Butker. Uh, as Brian has displayed on the screen now, you, that's that photo was taken shortly after he kicked the winning field goal. And you can see his scapular kind of peeking out of his clothes, out mm-hmm. of his jersey there. And he really does, he seems to be a very humble young man. He's only 27 years old. There's him serving the traditional Latin mast, uh, must be in the serving as the thurifer in that particular mass. So we just want to congratulate him and thank him for using the platform that God has given him a very large platform to witness to the traditional Catholic faith. And so after the uh, Super Bowl game, as they usually have a a post-game press conference or interview individual Mm. players, he was asked about the adversity that he faced throughout the course of this uh, this season because he actually had a significant ankle injury, which he Mm. suffered last September in the very first week of the NFL season. And the journalist asked him, any doubt now that that it meaning all the adversity was worth it and we have a video clip of how it was uh, an amazing season i'm very thankful for all the adversity that i went through i learned a lot about myself uh, as a a player and again the coaches the my teammates always supported me and pushed me and i just try to take it one day at a time stay positive and focus on what can i control to make the next kick because obviously I did have some bumps through there but um you know I wouldn't have been able to get through the season if it wasn't for my faith in God and to be able to trust in him and know that he's got a plan and uh, you know I'm just thankful that you know his plan was for that ball to go through and for us to win the game (laughs) yeah this was so uh yeah again I I know um and I won't say his particular name because he is a public figure but there's a particular religious traditionalist religious community that he has visited many times has been to Mm -hmm. and i believe they told me he served mass there even uh, i think a low mass several times Mm -hmm. so he definitely from all reports is a very serious traditional catholic attached to the traditional latin mass um and you know it's it it is again the nfl like everything in our world is has got problems with it but this this man is a great witness so i mean think of the i I saw like a hundred and 13 million people watch the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. if at least some people take note of this man and saw this and say, well, wait, what is this? You know, he, it, it, it you don't know how many people he might reach uh, and, and he introduced traditional Catholicism. So wonderful to him. And an apology to my father who was born, raised, and still lives in Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> he was quite disappointed about the game. So sorry we talked about the victory <laughs> of the Chiefs, but there was a good reason for it. So. Yes, I'm sure he'll understand. Yes. Uh, something else noteworthy about Harrison Butker is that he's he's also used his platform to speak up uh, speak out against Traditionis Custodis. He told yes. Catholic News Agency last February, I think we discussed that on the show. Yes. He said, quote, my success in football has given me a pedestal and I feel a responsibility to raise awareness to different issues that I think God wants me to bring to the forefront. And the traditional Latin mass is definitely one of them. It's an issue that I'm passionate about. And again, I feel a need to bring a voice to a lot of people who are frustrated who feel like they're outcasted and who don't have the outlet to say anything. 
I feel like I can be a voice for all those who feel like they're being persecuted for their love of the traditional sacraments. And when he was asked specifically what he would, um, well, in a part of the interview, he was asked, you know, what he would say to the Holy Father and had a very respectful but firm response. Uh, but he also was asked, you know, what, are, what is your message to those who attend the traditional Latin Mass in, in light of all these persecutions we're facing? And he said, we need to be saints. We can't jump ship. We can't leave the church. We are Roman Catholics. I think we need to stand up for the truth. We need to stand up for the church. But at the same time, we have to have charity. We still have to respect the positions that these men hold, but we have to recognize what's going on. So we very much recognize and resist, as we say in the traditionalist movement. And he ended by saying, we have to become saints and we have to let our voice be heard the best we can. So God bless him for the ways that he is doing that. And uh, yesterday, Dr. Taylor Marshall, our friend and colleague, uh, revealed during a video of his that he will be interviewing Harrison Butker in the near future. So stay tuned to Dr. Marshall's podcast for that. That should be a great interview. Yes, very much so, and uh, that'd uh, be interesting to to look for for when uh, it does come out. Yeah. Well, it may be that uh, there's a memo somewhere floating around the FBI uh, about uh, him, because as we reported <laughs> last week, uh, the FBI, or at least some people in the FBI, seem to think that uh, being a traditional Catholic makes you an enemy of the state. So yeah. uh, we, as we reported, though, last week, the FBI did withdraw that uh, memo pretty quickly after being exposed. Right. Most likely only because they were exposed, I would imagine. Yes, exactly. But uh, And thanks to uh, LifeSite News, who really almost instantly started gathering reactions to this, and they've been documenting mm -hmm. various uh, people's reactions. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's what we want to discuss today, the uh, reaction of two groups. And it's kind of an interesting contrast of church and state, one might say. Um, yes. Because first there was a letter that was sent to the attorney general in name only, uh, the uh, the person who heads the Department of Injustice, as I think <laughs> it should be called for what it really yes. does. Uh, and they were 20 uh, states, including Virginia, the, the state where uh, this memo uh, was produced, um, yes. that were sent to him to really take strong issue uh, with, again, what really is targeting American citizens for which there is no evidence of uh, crime being committed, but solely on the basis of their religious uh, beliefs. Oh, well, that's strange. I had the letter to show you, but it's it's like disappeared. It's gone black. It was just there. Uh, Big Brother's watching our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, there it is. That's odd. I just had to refresh it, I guess. But there it is, Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, and here is a copy of the letter that's posted uh, online. And it really does come uh, to uh, really to, to say the, the right thing. So let me just read you uh, a, a little bit uh, out of uh, it. Um, we the attorney generals, are the chief legal officers of our respective states, charged not only with enforcing the law, but also in securing the civil rights of our citizens. We write with outrage and alarm to address the anti-Catholic internal memorandum produced by the FBI's Richmond Field Office on January 23rd, 2023. 
which was released to the public this week. The FBI must immediately and unequivocally order agency personnel not to target Americans based on their religious beliefs and practices. We also demand that the FBI produce publicly all materials relating to the memorandum and its production. Anti-Catholic bigotry appears to be festering in the FBI, and the Bureau is treating Catholics as potential terrorists because of their belief. And again, what's really significant about this, this is coming from a state, Virginia, which is not a very heavily Catholic state. Right? It's mm -hmm. definitely a much more Protestant state. And many of the other states, the attorney general who sign it, are the attorney generals themselves are not Catholic and are not, again, you're kind of strongly traditional, necessarily traditionally Catholic populations. I mean, some of them mm -hmm. do, but but not all. But again, what's interesting is they're willing to again stand up and defend in very strong terms, um, even those who you know they the who are not not Catholic. And their point is very significant. It's the point we made last week. The fact that they retracted this memo doesn't really solve the problem. They say, suffice it to say, we are not persuaded by the FBI's damage control efforts. The FBI's scrubbing of the document from its system and the purported review of the process that created it in no way reassures us that this memorandum does not reflect a broader program of secretive surveillance of American Catholics or other religious adherents and infiltration of their houses of worship. It assures us only that the FBI is embarrassed at the public revelation of the memorandum's contents. The Nailed targeting of the Catholics head. for treatment as violent, yeah, they did, as violent extremists because of the language in which they pray. So again, even these non-Catholic attorneys generals are like, because they go to a Latin mass, right? Because of the language mm -hmm. in which they pray or because of the beliefs to which they subscribe is unacceptable, unconstitutional, and deeply un-American. And uh, interesting, before we get to the church reaction, I also saw just before we started the stories, I actually mm -hmm. have it to show, but uh, the Washington Post had uh, an opinion piece uh, just today uh, about this FBI memo saying very much the same thing. And it had a great uh, line in it. Uh, I don't have it pulled up, but it basically said the Latin mass might have been a threat to pagan Roman Empire, uh, you know, over <laughs> a thousand years ago, but it's not a threat to the American Constitutional Republic. It was a, right. it was a great line. So again, even a liberal newspaper is kind of going, wow. And, and I think the real point of this story is it does show the depths to which the deep state uh, is there and is basically infiltrated these agencies. Again, none of these people are elected. These uh, above the top mm -hmm. person, the Merrick Garland, who gets appointed by the president, these sort of careerist people get in there. And the, the extent that they now self-perpetuate by having bias of who they hire and are kind of in there with a whole bunch of liberal people like themselves right. and are willing to use the organs of the state to drive their own political agenda. And that's really what's disturbing about this. It sort of proves uh, it's kind of a lifting of the curtain that yes, proves that there is a deep state. This is not yes. a conspiracy theory. This is reality. Exactly. And a lot of people, what does the deep state mean? Well, that's what this means, that there are these civil servants embedded in agencies who have these agendas and who are unaccountable because they are not elected. Uh, mm -hmm. And they even when they get elected. I mean, Donald Trump couldn't fire a lot of these people. Again, that the standards are are uh, very high. So very, right. very uh, troubling. So that's the state. On the church side, Bishop Barry Netstouts, uh, who is the Bishop uh, of Richmond, Virginia. So the Bishop, again, whose diocese has been directly 
uh, attacked by right. um, this particular uh, memorandum. Uh, he finally, let me check the date on it, February 13th, uh, right. after days had gone by, finally had his office issue a uh, a statement. Right. And again, three I, days I, after the attorneys general, three yes. days after. Yeah. Three days after the attorneys general. And again, I think it's from LifeSite News uh, because they constantly, they would say this person reacted, that person. Yep. Still nothing from the archdiocese of uh, Virginia. Nothing. Right. They, 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 right. they made a point, I think, of noting again, not disrespectfully, but, you know, kind of where are you? Yeah, um, exactly. And so he did issue this statement, which was great. But again, it's it's so Vatican II. It's just like he, <laughs> he, he, he he, you would sort of understand again. The attorneys general at least kept hitting this anti-Catholic bigotry, anti-Catholic bigotry. Again, they say people of all faiths, but I mean you'd expect that they're a secular, they're not right. religious. But here's what he says: People of all faith groups have long found <laughs> refuge in the constitutional protections of our great nation. We all seek to share in God's gift of life, enjoy the fruits of liberty. I mean, it's just. Uh, Okay, oh, where's yeah, your yeah. condemnation? I was alarmed to read that the reports written late last week about the contents of the internal memo created by the Richmond Field Office of the FBI, I was surprised to learn of the mention of the fraternity of St. Peter Parish. So again, he's alarmed, he's surprised, he's not outraged. I mean, where is, I mean, the attorney's general right. language is pretty strong, right? He's just, oh, 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 this is surprising. This man is supposed to be a successor of the apostles, not a bureaucrat. Exactly. Um, now he does come to the defense of the uh, fraternity of St. Peter Parish, which has been in has been in Virginia for a long time. Um, they've served with devotion for many years. The parishes within our Catholic community, and to the faithful and diocese who appreciate this form of Catholic Mass in our diocese. End quote. Footnote. Until it gets suppressed. Right. Next. Yeah, see next exactly. story. But again, I find it odd. He, he does mention them, but again, many news commentators have noted that they refer to a FSSP and an SSPX parish in the diocese. You know, he doesn't even mention that, by the way, the SSPX too got attacked. I mean, whatever, he doesn't mm -hmm. have to, but it's just kind of interesting that he, he yes. just, they were mentioned in the same footnote. He goes over it. Um, and notice the leaked document should be troubling and offensive well, to communities of faith. Where's his, like, I'm offended? Right. It's just such a watered down, right? Communities right. of faith. And then he goes on and on a little later. Religious freedom is an important matter acknowledged. by again, where is anti-Catholic bigotry? Uh, where is, I mean, the attorneys general come to a much more, I would say, vigorous defense of Catholics than the bishop. Really, you know, right. it's, it, again, I, I'm glad he finally, after his deafening silence that was heard everywhere, um, I'm glad he finally came out and said something, but it, it was a pretty lame statement. Now, interesting, this bishop, you want to know a little bit about him. Um, George Newmeyer, the late uh, political journalist, investigative journalist that uh, we mm -hmm. reported on his death um, a couple shows ago, um, he interestingly um, had been, shortly, I think not that long before his death, had been reporting on what appears to be this bishop um, sending a convicted sex offender to actively be active in a, you know, in a ministry. As a, in a parish. parish. Yeah. Parish. yeah. A, a pastor of a parish. Pastor yeah. of a parish, which again, if a true allegation is somewhat troubling, uh, he also reported that it appears this bishop is a, uh, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but a, uh, a he protege, called him a protege. Yep. Yeah. Protege of Archbishop Theodore McCarrick. 
so he is part of the McCarrick circle, it would appear. Yes. Um, but he, they actually have a video clip where uh, George, before his death, uh, went and tried to ask the bishop, hey, what is this true? What, what's going on about this? Uh, and uh, he just knocked on his door. Here it is. Hi, Bishop Nesta. Yes. Could I talk to you for a moment? Uh, about about uh, your appointment of a public sex offender to St. Augustine's Parish in 2018 without informing the congregation? I, I suggest that you uh, talk to your communications office. Did you do that? Office. Why did you do that? Why would I you do that? When you, you're, you're posturing office. as a reformer, sir. Sure you're posturing to. as a reformer, sir, and yet what you did was, was disgraceful. Why did you do that? Speak to our communications office. Why did you do that, sir? Thanks very much. You're not going to answer this question, Bishop Nestown? You're a fraud. Again, you know, maybe George's tactic is a little confrontational. <laughs> we'll, let, you know, won't speak ill about the dead. God rest his soul. But uh, again, look at the whole body language, the eyes. It, it was definitely kind of, a, I was, the first time I saw this, it was odd, right? Very, and just repeating line, talk to my communications. God. I mean, where is the, 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 the leader of the diocese? Where is he? Uh, again, I guess he's at his home. I don't know if that's his home or if it's all. I think kind of, it is his residence. Yeah, it looked like. I think his it's residence. like the it's like the cathedral rectory or something like that. Right. And again, it's the middle of the day. It's clearly not like at night when he was in bed because it, it no. looks sunny. But he's clearly Although you not wouldn't wearing, know that based on his dress. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's clearly not wearing a house cassock, right? Again, for bishops, right. the purple cassock is the liturgical cassock. Their house cassock is the black with the purple piping, which. Uh, I mean, let me just put it this way. If you knocked on the, you know, the, well, he's, you know, the, he travels so much, but the, the seminary door where Bishop Fillet lives, I doubt he'd answer the door. <laughs> in gym, in gym in clothes, gym basically. Clothes, right? <laughs> I doubt it. Again, I, I'm not going to make too much of it, but together uh, with the whole body language, it was very odd. And again, he, he has been, you know, he's pretty hostile to the society when they opened the seminary, not far from his, uh, not far from Richmond, just a couple hours there. Right. And it's funny, the seminary, you know, got a really warm welcome from the county people, the people where they live right. um, that were mostly Baptist and or maybe Episcopal, some kind of Protestant. I don't want to be wrong, but a very, right. a pro, very Protestant County. And I can attest to that. Once when I was visiting the seminary, I was in the line for TSA and there was a little family in front of me and they were, had some little kids and I just, something happened. Maybe the, one of the kids grabbed my bag or something and they were all pot. And I said, Oh no, it's fine. And we got talking. And as we got talking, I mentioned, oh, I was visiting my son at the seminary and they're like, Oh yeah, we're not Catholic. We're again, I forget what, what Episcopalian maybe, mm -hmm. but wow, we're just so happy that that seminary's here. They're such good young men. And it's just, you know, even though we're not Catholic, we're so happy about it. And I just remember thinking, well, these Protestants are happier. <laughs> That these young men are here being trained for the priesthood than the the local bishop, but uh, very telling. Again, <laughs> glad he came out with the statement, but uh, yeah, still some issues there. And just as an addendum to the end of this story, yes. Uh, so this the FBI memo, as you'll recall, was based more or less solely on this, you know, ridiculous Southern poverty law. Yeah, the Southern yes. Poverty Law Center's propaganda. And lo and behold, uh, LifeSite also, I think our friend Stephen Cox is the one who published this particular article, Senate Committee Approves SPLC Lawyer Woke Biden Pick for Prominent Judicial Posts. So this yes. woman 
Nancy uh, Abudu yes. uh, has been the di strategic director of litigation for the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, before that, she worked for the equally woke, not quite as bad, but still pretty equally woke ACLU, right. American Civil Liberties Unions, which, to be honest, used to be a pretty fair organization. I mean, they were we're just out to protect people's rights under the law. And they, you know, would you know, represent some crazy liberal causes, but would even, you know, if, if somebody's civil rights on the conservative side were threatened, would come to their defense. That's long gone. They are right. completely, completely gone. Uh, but, you know, the SPLC, this is this is the kind of people Biden is picking, picking to now right. be on the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, and all the Democrats fell in line behind him. So in other words, the someone who works for the horrific organization... Yes. And they're this bogus organ bogus source that the FBI sorted, which is um, fomenting anti-Catholic bigotry, is being considered for, I assume, a federal judgeship, basically, or something to that effect. So that that's just it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And it's unbelievable that the news broke of her uh, getting through the Senate process at the same time same that this time. memo was yes. exposed. So just unbelievable. Yes. Well, as we said, the, the fraternity of St. Peter have a mass in his diocese for now, um, because that brings us to the continuing emerging story. Again, everything seems to be pointing to this document coming out in terms of bishops getting the direction of what's going on and preparing for it. And we have some more updates on further restrictions that seem to be triggered by communications from Rome. Yes, so we'll start with the Archdiocese of Atlanta, Georgia, which has issued what they call, quote, new legislation, even though it's not even signed by the, the legislator, the bishop. It's an unsigned note, what appears to be an unsigned note to clergy dated February yes. 6th, in which the Archdiocese of, De of, excuse me, Archdiocese of Atlanta, which is led by Archbishop Gregory Hartmeyer since the year 2020, so he's a Francis appointment, announced new legislation for both the traditional Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo. And Father John Zulsdorf, commonly known as Father Z, uh, noted on his popular blog about this note, he says, quote, the memo is riddled with errors of format, yes. grammar, spelling, law, and reason. <laughs> and that pretty much sums it up. So this is what it, the, the memo says in regard to this new legislation, quote, in the past months, some of you have sent questions regarding the Latin Mass and Novus Ordo Mass's ad orientum facing the tabernacle facing God. The motu proprio traditionis custodis deals uh, permits, so that's the, an example of the bad grammar, deals yes. permits priests to celebrate the Novus Ordo ad orientum in Latin and in the vernacular. Uh, or excuse me, I'm sorry, I skipped a sentence. So yeah. Traditionis Custodis deals with the Missale Romanum of 1962 only. Sorry, that was my mistake, yes. uh, skipping a line. It does not deal with the entire liturgical reform of the Second Vatican Council. The reform of the Council public, uh, permits priests to celebrate the Novus Ordo ad orientum in Latin and in the vernacular. However, it leaves to the diocesan bishop if he allows his priests to celebrate uh, publicly in those forms as they see fitting in their ministry to the people of God, or ad causum, uh, meaning only with the ex explicit request of the priest and the explicit permission from the diocesan bishop. In now, this just case, pause there because yeah. I have this on the screen. You notice there is no footnote for that. Right. So he claims 
that there's a law saying again this is what's crazy the missile the 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 Nuvis or Nova Shorter missile makes it clear you can celebrate this way so right. it author but then he says oh but then I'm allowed to stop you notice all the footnotes he's got up here right no footnote he's just making this up there's nowhere Absolutely. that says you can't do this any priest who offers according to the missile can do what the missile tells him he's allowed to do Exactly. Yes. Exactly. It's complete nonsense. Yes. Um, so it goes on. And then it if, goes on. This is worth, if approved, right. the Archbishop appro must seek the permission of the Vatican. <laughs> Just crazy. Crazy. And it, and it claims historically the requests have been denied. Again, yes. according to who? So the note then lists the two parishes at which the TLM is currently available in the Archdiocese and goes on to say, after consultation... With the this dicastery for yes. divine worship and the discipline of the sacraments. So in other words, the archbishop wrote to Rome, uh, starting on the solemnity of the resurrection of the Lord on Easter Sunday, April 9th, 2023. Right after the, this letter is supposed yes, to come out. Important exactly. date, right? All the priests and bishops assigned or residing in the ecclesiastical jurisdiction of the Archdiocese of Atlanta that want to celebrate publicly, meaning celebrate either the TLM elsewhere than the previous the two previously mentioned parishes that's number one number two if they want to celebrate the novus ordo ad orientum in latin or simply the novus ordo ad orientum in vernacular as well as all pre-vatican ii sacramental rites uh, all clergy must request by formal letter permission from the archbishop of atlanta the letter, the, and this is addressed to bishops also who reside in, yes. <laughs> in the yes. uh, archdiocese. The letter should include the rationale for such celebration. I urge you, and the, the I is not even identified, I urge you to read or reread the apostolic letter Desiderio Desideravi on the liturgical formation of the people of God, Francis's letter from last June, and personally get involved in the decision-making that guarantees the decorum, order, and nobility of your liturgical celebrations at your parishes and places of worship. So hold on a minute. The priest should get involved in those things. Shouldn't he already be involved in making sure that there's decorum, order, and nobility right. for his own masses? Just unbelievable. And yes. then a related uh, side note to this story before we get into the other diocese we're going to cover. Uh, last week, Friday, the outlet The Pillar reported that, quote, one California diocese has been recently informed that diocesan bishops are not allowed to dispense from Traditionis Custodis's pro prohibition against permitting the extraordinary form of the mass in parish churches. And further, quote, in a letter to at least a few U.S. bishops, the Dicastery for Divine Worship noted that while diocesan bishops are generally permitted to dispense from universal disciplinary laws, they cannot dispense from such norms if their dispensation is reserved to the Holy See, end quote. And that's, of course, what we reported on last week, that letter uh, that Dr. Peter Kwasniewski posted on his Facebook page. Yes. So now we're going to take a look at uh, a diocese in Minnesota, which also this story also has a connection to the SSPX as well. Yes. So, but before we do that, I want to make clear about this last story. This really does seem to confirm everything because the letter that we showed last week, clearly more bishops have gotten that letter. They're, it's circulating around, right? That right. the, the, there's a direction 
that Rome has spoken to them. No more, no deviations, no exceptions. You've got to get permission for us for everything, which again, the lunacy of this is the whole thing. This was about restoring to the bishop the ability to regulate right. his diocese. And, yep. and it's clear that a Gestapo order is coming coming down. So it really does confirm that. It also confirms for those who kind of want to be comfortable in the reform of the reform. Again, in my opinion, some of this in Latin, Adrianum and the Novus Ordo is putting like, as one traditional priest used to say to me years ago, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. The, <laughs> the right is problematic. Yeah. All this other stuff is kind of, Okay, it's better, but it, it it just the whole thing is unsavable. But it, what it says is, even if you're like those, like I'm just going to hide out in my nice Latin Adorianum Novus Ordo, they're coming for you too, yep. right? That's clearly what this says. That now you have to get permission from Rome. They're alleging to say what Paul the Sixth Missile says you can do. In fact, there's a rubric in it at the Orate Fratres which says the priest turning around to face the people. That was the the rubric. It actually contemplates an auto orientum. It but presumes again, it really it in light of that. Yes. Yeah. So again, this is a showing you they're coming for you um, too. And I think it also shows that all of their lip service to wanting reverent liturgies is a bunch of hogwash. I mean, if they yes. are saying you need special permission to have a reverent Novus Ordo, then they really don't care about reverence in the liturgy. Yes. So, uh, as Matt said, we're going to look to uh, Winona uh, Rochester, which is Bishop Robert Barron, which, again, many people know him because he is a, uh, a kind of a, a public figure. He runs, has a little podcast, or I forget what yes. he calls it. Uh, on, word, it it's a word on Fire Ministry. Word on Fire. That's it. Yeah. I knew it was something on something. Word on Fire. We reported on him back when he inter was interviewing, um, or interviewed Shia by, LaBeouf, yeah. Yeah, uh, um, Ben Shapiro. And oh, when Ben Shapiro yeah. asked, should I convert? And he's, oh, no, no, B, don't convert. And, yes. you know, uh, he's he definitely called our Lord, our Lord, the privileged way of salvation, but not the only way, basically. Exactly. Um, so in any event, uh, there had been a lot of rumor that this diocese was also going to int introduce some restrictions. So the first report that did um, come out was that uh, he was closing down the celebration of the traditional uh, Latin mass in a uh, diocesan parish and was and moved it to a college uh, chapel. Right. So the way the story was first reported, again, sounded like another one of these sort of shutting down. He was shutting down a um, traditional mass uh, location. I think now, what I remember... I was just going to say what I remember hearing is that a parishioner at the parish where the TLM used to be was had posted something like a disgruntled comment on Twitter or something. And that's what people yes. started running with. But there ended up being a little more to the story. Yes. Um, so what's a little bit. And again, I do think it's partially true because I think maybe what Barron is doing is, again, he got the memo. All parish right. churches are done. And again, instead of just disbanding it, again, he's, I think, trying to help the group survive. He got it out of a parish and moved it somewhere. And mm -hmm. we'll give him the benefit of the doubt for the best intention to say, okay, it's not in a parish. We're okay. I don't have to shut them down. Right. Um, that's true. And I do think Father Zelsdorf added some interesting color because, again, it wasn't like they were moved to some, you know, terrible spot. It's a very beautiful chapel. Oh, yeah. He provided some pictures, very fitting for the traditional Latin mass. So, again, it's not like he gave them some, you know, dumpy 1960s, you know, 
hippie looking church. I, I right. don't think he was at Dan. My read is I don't think he was personally trying Bishop Barron to, you know, really do anything. But on the other hand, I think right. it does show the, the bishops have gotten this memo that it is, it is the end of it in parish churches. Um, and, um, this maybe is his way of anticipating it. But right. what also was interesting that came out of the um, story is the location. Apparently, Bishop Barron has allowed that church to be used uh, for the Latin Mass in the past. Uh, and by the way, another note, it also, there's a lot of the people that go to the traditional Latin Mass apparently go to this college. So it is right. bringing it closer to, to young people. But also that he had allowed the SSPX to use the chapel to have right. Masses. Uh, and again, another mixed bag. Um, he, the, he had granted, uh, he had dealt with the SSPX on delegation of faculties for marriage. So a little bit of a backup. Um, one of the things Pope Francis did early on, if you remember his pontificate, is he granted directly from himself, which he can do as Pope, the right. faculty, the sort of legal canonical niceties, dotting the I's, crossing the T's for every society priest to absolve in confession. Right. So again, whatever the position was before, he has issued a document saying they have worldwide faculties to hear confession. Ended yes. that debate. Then when it came to marriages, he issued a document which was a little more uh, mixed, but some right. of it is due to the canonical procedures for marriage. Because actually every priest it has to either be the parish priest canonically of the person getting married or mm -hmm. be delegated authority to marry somebody that's not his parishioner. And Correct. and that's just sort of a part of canon law that you, you, normal you know in in any case. So, but what the Pope said is, I am now telling the bishops they can, and he really encouraged they should right. delegate to priests of society of Pius X. So, give them the the formal paperwork. You can mm -hmm. perform this marriage, and or if a different priest is saying the marriage, he they they're allowed to celebrate. He makes clear the nuptial mass because right. again there's two things going on the celebrating the sacrament of marriage is a canonical act because it's a marriage that that changes legal relations and there's also the sacrifice of the mass offered for the benefit of the couple you don't again the church encourages and wants a nuptial mass for the benefit of the couple but yeah. it's not it is not necessary for the sacrament uh, right. you just like confirmations you can have confirmations and many bishops then celebrate a mass afterwards but it's not it's not actually required or necessary Right. So he said, if somebody else marries them, the society priest can offer mass canonically and, and, and legally for those who get sort of obsessed with legal niceties. It, it really shows that the society priest can offer mass because the Pope's saying, well, they can say they can say a, uh, you know, nuptial mass. No problem. Let them do it. So that means like the next morning, if that's a Saturday, they can't celebrate Sunday mass. So they're only allowed right. to go around celebrating <laughs> nuptial masses. <laughs> what kind of like what kind of ruling? It's just bizarre. But in any event, right. and the society does this. They go and uh, after this document came out, the district superiors around the world made appointments with bishops and said, OK, this is what the Holy Father wants. And when people come to them to get married, they submit the paperwork and ask the bishop, will you delegate? And there are about 40 dioceses in which it is publicly known that the bishops do that. Right. In now, the United States usually, alone. In the United yeah. States alone, yes. I don't know about worldwide. But uh, what normally happens and what I've seen is that the bishop just says, yeah, whoever your priest that's, you know, 
offering the marriage, he's delegated. And again, maybe the uh, sometimes it's the the priest assigned to that chapel location, but sometimes mm -hmm. it may be you know if the people moved around and they grew up in St. Mary's or some priest that they were very close to you know wants to marry them or again it may be right. and that's typical right if you, if you're getting married it may be a, a family relative a cousin who's a priest but but generally mm -hmm. they just authorize they just sign off on the SDX uh, priest. Um, so. Two things that the Bishop Baron allowed uh, the SSPX to use this location because <laughs> the seminary of the society used to be in Winona in his diocese. They moved right. from there to Richmond, to well, Richmond to Virginia, uh, but they still owned the property and they turned it into a brother's novitiate. So it's a house mm -hmm. for people preparing to become brothers, religious brothers, uh, to, to do that. And they, they do offer a Sunday mass in the chapel for the local community. They're very careful when they move the seminary because a lot of people had been there for decades, were used to mm -hmm. being able to have mass there. So he said, look, mass will be available. We're not going to abandon you. But they don't like doing weddings there because it's just, it's a, it's a religious house. It's kind of just not... It's not, I mean, they will do it, but it's not the, the mm -hmm. best setting to have a wedding going on with, you know, with, with the brothers in a novitiate. So they right. actually asked the diocese, uh, both could you delegate for the wedding and could we have one of your churches to use? Um, because, again, we could use the seminary, but it would be more appropriate if we could have it in another church. Mm -hmm. um, they got the church, but not the delegation. <laughs> Which wow. is from Bishop Barron, <laughs> which is bizarre. Uh, and again, at least give him credit because we've criticized a lot of bishops who will not allow the society or other even traditionalist priests to use their churches, but then will let Muslims right. use them. At least right. he's, you know, let them use the church. But it's sort of bizarre. He then insisted, but no, I want one of my own priests to do the wedding. So he wanted this bizarre scenario. Think about this. A priest this couple has probably never met in their life, right? A diocesan priest right. from his diocese, nowhere around there who doesn't know them, who's not prepared them for marriage, right. to come in, marry them, run away, and then their priest can offer them mass. It, it is just absurd, right? It's really, yes. really absurd. Why you wouldn't just delegate to the priest for witnessing the marriage uh, is kind of beyond me. But Father Z says, well, still, it's a good step, I guess. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, he also, by the way, in this blog post, recalls how the, the, the late Bishop Morlino uh, allowed a newly ordained SSPX priest to celebrate mass in his home parish. In the, so after he got ordained, he wanted to go mm -hmm. back to the Novus Ordo parish where he grew up, uh, and the bishop gave his permission to use use the church. So right. uh, again, interesting. There. So again, mixed bag with Bishop Barron, just like in uh, uh, Nurstead in uh, Virginia. Yes. And uh, before we go on to our next story, we just wanted to briefly mention and really commend a new article series kind of related to all of these sorts of liturgical issues by Dr. Janet Smith being published mm. by Crisis Magazine. Maybe Brian can say, say a few words about that article series. Yes, it, it's really it's like a, a apologia pro SSPX, sort of a, a defense uh, of their of. Uh, uh, the position of the traditional Latin mass, et cetera. And again, really, I think it's significant because Janet Smith, somebody I've been reading for for uh, a long time, um, mm. and, and really a great lion of the pro-life, the church's teaching, particularly on contraception, not just abortion, but particularly right. on contraception, really, really done great work on that, uh, but was not really in the early days, you know, very favorable towards the traditional mass. It was kind of, that was her thing, but has really over the last decades come a long way and, and really embraced. Even the last maybe and couple think, years, really, right? Even the last couple of years and is writing this real 
uh, uh, response to the kind of conserv neoconservative, mm -hmm. um, you know, defense of traditionalist custodas and the per and the uh, uh, persecution of the mass. And she's right. laying out a wonderful again. A lot of things maybe our viewers and longtime readers would already know, but she's laying out in Crisis Magazine uh, the arguments on why they're wrong and why you know. Uh, yes. th their 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 attack as sense on the traditional Latin mass uh, is factually wrong. I mean, she goes through a lot of the mm -hmm. factual errors in some and of the things they say about the mass. I was just going to say she's actually responding yes. specifically to the same three people that Archbishop Vigano recently responded yes. to. Um, the authors of this of the series, a synoptic look at the failures and successes of post-Vatican II liturgical reforms, which is basically a defense of Vatican II's. Uh, Sancrosanctum Concilium and all the reforms that issued from it by John Cavadini, Mary Healy, and Father Thomas Wynandi. That's who she's responding to in this article series yes. of hers. So again, it's not all out, but the ones I've read so far are, are excellent. And I'm looking forward, I've never met her in person. I'm looking forward to meeting her because I, she and I will both be at the Coalition of Canceled Priests conference in June, the end of June. And I'm yes. looking forward to meeting her. Yes, I think that'll be very good. All right. Well, we have a little bit of time left and we want to get through these some of these synod updates. So we'll start in Germany for their local German synodal way. See, um, <clears throat> So that's been that was how. Oh, can you hear me? Did I cut out? I'm ha it's has a little bit of a delay on my. Can you hear me? OK. Oh, oh, are you there, Matt? Are we there? I am. I'm here, Matt. I'm here. Hello. Whoop. Oh, I. Th you've been out for a while. Yeah, I think you're back. Oh, Your okay. audio was cutting out. Yeah. Okay. Can Go you, ahead. Maybe start over. Now? Okay. So we're going we to now, yes. quickly cover some uh, synod updates, starting in Germany with the German synodal way. They've been having their plenary meeting. Uh, they held held last week in Frankfurt. And I'll just read a little bit from uh, Catholic News Agency's report on the subject. A plenary meeting of the German Catholic Church's synodal way ended on Saturday with votes in favor of draft texts calling for same-sex blessings and changes to the catechism on homosexuality. Participants backed a document on February 5th entitled Blessing Celebrations for Couples Who Love Each Other, by 161 votes uh, to 34 against it with 11 abstentions. They also endorsed further discussion of a text on the quote, magisterial reassessment of homosexuality oh. as if there could be such a thing. Matt, I, th I think I, we can only hear, Matt, we can only hear like every fifth word. Oh my, let me, um, maybe I should try ducking, Matt? leaving this. Matt, hang on. Stop, Matt. We, we, we're only getting like every fifth or sixth word of what you're saying. Okay, well, I'll pick up. Uh, maybe Matt will be back. Those of you who maybe didn't hear, uh, they, they, they're approving a bunch of bad stuff in Germany. Um, they were um, basically approving of blessings of same-sex couples, as you probably couldn't hear Matt was uh, trying to say. Um, and they were wanting the church to change uh, passages 2357 to 59 and 2396 on homosexuality and chastity. Uh, evaluation of homosexuality. You can't reevaluate 
uh, homosexuality. The church has already taught on it. Oh, it looks like Matt may be back. I'm back. I was just, we couldn't hear anything you were saying. It was completely yeah, kind of garbled. So I, I was just re repeating what I think you were saying about all the bad stuff that, that came out uh, of their, yes, their yes. final votes. Yeah, it's just unbelievable. I mean, first, yeah, a few years ago, Pope Francis decided to, you know, edit or update the catechism regarding the death penalty. And it sounds like these people want to do the same thing with regarding the paragraphs dealing with homosexuality yes. and chastity. Uh, the votes CNA reported came on the final day of the third meeting of the synodal assembly, the supreme decision-making body of the synodal way. So this is, this is Anglicanism. I don't understand yes. why these people stay in the church. Go become Protestants. Go become Anglicans if you want to vote on doctrine. This is not Catholic. which. Oh, by the way, follow up to our story last week. The Anglican quote communion did have their meeting and voted to approve of uh, the position on having blessing homosexual marriages in the right. Church of Church of England in the Anglican Communion. The one we talked about last time, Pope Francis says comments were going to be used by the arch layman of Canterbury. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. that's what they want. Where you just get together exactly. and vote and get those results. <laughs> and apparently the next German oh, synodal I think assembly. you're on again, Matt. Uh, oh. Whoop. Mental assembly. Because remember, this whole global synod is nuts. There's the big synod in Rome, but then there's all these like preparatory synods at, at all these different increasing levels. So the European Continental Assembly uh, opened in Prague, which is the capital of the Czech Republic, the following day. And according to, wait, maybe he's back. Hey, sorry, I don't know what keeps happening. Can yeah, you... I think it's your internet is, is uh, I can hear you again, but we lost, again, I just went into the Prague stuff because we couldn't hear you at all before you left. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll try it again, I guess. Um, yeah. Let's so the here. only point I was making when he came back is what I found really, really interesting uh, about this is they had a final document that's going to be debated and, and was approved February 9th. Right. Uh, but uh, basically, they were saying they got this document and nobody had time to read it. Exactly. Uh, it was like due to time constraints, they voted on it without really reading it, which reminded me of Congress when Nancy Pelosi told the congressman, well, if you want to read what's in the bill, just vote for it and you can read it later. That again, right. this is what John Venari back the very first sentence that Francis started said, this is all a sham. It's all rigged. The documents yep. are written. They just ram them through. You're not supposed to really know what's in them and just vote for them. Just vote the party right. line. And that again, yeah. seems to be what's happening here. <laughs> Yes. So just, just so folks understand, the meeting that was held in Frankfurt was specifically the German synodal way. And then the one in Prague, yes. Czech Republic, was the uh, European Continental Assembly as part of this global synod on synodality. But you see so much overlap between the things being discussed. Oh, yes. I mean, thankfully, at the synod on synodality meetings, at least some people are speaking up and saying, hey, this is very concerning. Some of these things we're seeing. It's all of the LGBT, women's ordination, all of these heretical things that people want to discuss. Um, and thankfully, the document that they voted on also said, uh, mentioned how many European delegates had expressed fear that the synod on synodality could result in, quote, watering down of Catholic doctrine. So before we close, I, we definitely want to play this video clip. It's too good not to play um, the one, this promotional video from, that they released actually just today. That there's a 
the North American Continental Assembly is going on in Florida right now in, in Orlando. And this is the ridiculous promo video that they released if Brian's able to to pull it up and play right. it for us. Yes, about to play it. So again, this is the equivalent of what the Europeans are doing in Prague, the North right. Americans are doing in Florida. But here's how they decided to present themselves to the public. John <laughs> would have had a field day with this. I mean, I guess we'd be. Oh, oh uh, okay. <laughs> At least they didn't post a picture of them like going on a roller coaster in Disney World or Universal <laughs> or something. <laughs> I mean, this, first of all, look at this. It looked like a corporate meeting going on. <laughs> Not only of the Catholic Church. Uh, and, and look, look at it. it's all women, old people. <laughs> this is what they want. They don't look very excited to be there either. No, they don't. <laughs> That's what I said. It looks like a business meeting where people don't want to really be there. They're like, oh, when can we get out of here? Yeah, this is the synodal yeah, way. Okay. Yep. Wow. I think that video sums it all up. It really does. It really does. And then meanwhile, we have Cardinal Mario Grech and Cardinal Jean-Claude Hollerich, the Secretary General of the Synod of Bishops and the General Relator for the Synod on Synodality, respectively, they're continuing their attempts at damage control while at the same time putting out this kind of garbage <laughs> promo video. So it's it's uh, what what else can you do other than laugh at it? I mean, it's a complete mockery of yes. the faith and of the church. Um, you know, so joking aside, I mean, this this proves again. This is a not only is it an utter embarrassment for the Catholic Church, but it is a very real danger to the Catholic faith what these people are doing. And so it yes. does need to be firmly resisted. Yes, um, definitely. And again, where, what happened in Germany is where they're going, notwithstanding yes. the damage control that Grech and Hollerich are, are doing. Yes. Well, we have a couple minutes, but the last story is really just to warn you. And again, it's, it's about the deep state and about the public health tyranny that they have been trying to impose for a long time. So you may remember one of the things that outraged the deep state during the COVID, COVIDian crisis yeah. was doctors who were actually being doctors, right? The way doctors, it was an art of medicine. You'd go to the doctor, the doctor would look right. at your case, think right. about, okay, what's the best thing for you? And then would have the absolute discretion and authority to use their judgment on what to do. Well, the healthcare, the public health establishment, that is, you remember Eisenhower talked about the military industrial complex? Yes. Well, I think if he were speaking in his farewell address today, he would call it the pharmaceutical uh, complex. Because mm -hmm. really what it is, is what they want to change healthcare into is a communist system. Right. That's what they want single payer health care, socialized medicine to be, where your doctor is just a robot who goes mm -hmm. in and he's got regulations all around. He can't actually do anything. And all he can do is hand you the latest product that the government allied with Big Pharma wants you to pay for 
to make big money for big pharma. A mm-hmm. dispensary of re- tightly controlled prescriptions. And again, I have a lot of friends or doctors who've practiced a long time. Mm-hmm. And they say that's what it's become. It's become this bureaucratic takeover where they can't actually do their their and that's what they got outraged during COVID because doctors doing what doctors do, seeing what's working on the ground, we're taking FDA approved medications and we're saying, hey, this people are saying this is working. It's a mm-hmm. safe drug. It doesn't. Why don't you try this? Right. They were all cheap, off patent, not make a lot of money products for the big pharmas. Right. And it outraged the establishment because big pharma wants you to buy their new shiny drugs on which they have a patent and can charge you hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of dollars, not stuff that's been around for 30 years and is cheap. Right. And they hated, they were furious because under the law, as it's always been, drugs are approved for a particular use, mm-hmm. but they are once they're approved, they're approved. And a doctor can write it to anyone, even for what's called an off-label use. So the label mm-hmm. says, this is designed to treat this. But as happened with many things, the body is an organism. Things that you get treated for end up, might actually help something else. And a lot of people mm-hmm. say, oh, I was on this medicine for something. It ended up taking away another problem. So once they doctors often find out, well, this medicine actually helps something else, they mm-hmm. are of complete freedom to say, this works, try it, and, and do that. It enraged them because perfectly valid, and this is what the Twitter files exposed. Mm-hmm. One of those, ivermectin, that people were finding, and some doctors said, I think this works, perfectly safe, prescribed for the purpose of uh, parasites, killing parasites in humans. The, the, the CDC tweets, stop taking horse medicine which was a total just defamatory right. statement. It was medicine that's used for people and humans, just like penicillin is, right? Mm-hmm. Penicillin gets given to, to horses, uh, right. just to try to say like, this is something wrong with it. The reason they had to do that is because doctors had complete freedom to prescribe this for patients. Mm-hmm. They tried to stop pharmacies from fulfilling it and it failed because the law is the law. So here's what they did. And this is how the deep state works. They passed the 2023 omnibus appropriation bill for 1.3 trillion. Right, over 4,000 pages, pages, over pages. four. Yeah, and again, this is what is wrong because they shouldn't be approving budgets this way. Hide all the money, what they're doing, but then right. they also hide other stuff in it that has nothing to do with budgets. They hid 19 lines that gave the Food and Drug Administration the power to ban off-label use of approved medications. Again, this is not things that are dangerous, you can't use. These are things the FDA says any doctor prescribe, but if they want to use it for a different purpose, the FDA is going to have the power to stop it, mm-hmm. which means big pharmacies will be allowed to refuse to fill prescriptions because that's who they want to get to. That you can bring in your doctor's prescription. I've seen this patient. This is what they need. Pharmacists can look it up and say, this code doesn't match what the FDA said this is used for. We're not going to sell you the medicine. Yep. Now, again, why, why would big pharma not want to sell the medicine? Because it's cheap and they want to sell you a medicine that makes them more money. So, again, this is very, very dangerous. A lot of doctors that I know are very worried about this because it's yet another move to make doctors functionary robots of the state. Because that's what happens in a a socialist medical system. Um, Again, I know someone who died in a hospital because they needed oxygen and they weren't given it because the regulation said their lips had to be a certain darkness of blue <laughs> before they were allowed oh before they were allowed oxygen. That's I know crazy. another family whose daughter needed tubes in her ears because she was deaf. She couldn't hear because there yeah. was so much fluid in her ears. But the regulation said she had to wait another year until she was a year older. This is what oh they want to do. And this is another big step.
to allow big pharma controlled government to stop your doctor from treating you the way your doctor. Um, this is where, this is the creeping socialism, right? The Soviet Union didn't invade the United States with tanks and missiles. They've invaded through the deep state. That communism yes. is creeping in everywhere. And this is yet another example where in the, the so-called pandemic, they figured out, oh, here's a weak link in the system. Doctors are just healing people. We can't have that because it doesn't fit with our narrative, with our right. story. And so they they stopped it. So um, mm. uh, hopefully we can get some Republicans in to repeal this. But this this is bad news. Yes, it was one of the last things with the Democrat-controlled Congress before uh, yes. before the new Congress took over. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I apologize for the technical difficulties earlier. I have recently gotten a new modem. I was hoping that that would solve the problem, but I'll, I guess I'll need to contact my internet provider again and ask them what's going on with this. Maybe they can get me a higher speed or something, but we are. I am doing my best to, to get these problems to to stop. But thank you for your patience and and thank everyone for uh, who joined us live today and everyone who will watch the recording. If you would, uh, if you've enjoyed the content, please do give a, the video a like on on uh, Twitter or not Twitter on uh, YouTube or on Rumble if you watch on Rumble. And please yeah, share Matt, on your. Yeah, let me just take over because you're okay. You you're, go ahead. You're gone. You're. Yeah. So again, okay, as always, please help us. Please like, subscribe, share the videos, and do consider subscribing. We're finishing off the, the March paper. Please subscribe. There's a, a lot of great content in there. The article on scrupulosity, if that's something that's bothering you in your spiritual life, some really, really good practical advice for you. Um, please consider that subscriptions are the main source to support this apostolate. So as always, we're going to end with turning all of these cares, concerns, and worries. We're not going to fix any of this. It's all bigger than we are only. But remember what our Lord said to St. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. It is certainly, he's speaking to St. Paul, but to our whole sort of society under the thumb of the deep church and deep state. So we shouldn't get depressed or scared about all of these. We need to be informed, but we just need to pray because only we know that, uh, as Our Lady said, only I can help you. So we'll end with a yes. prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is we. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Eternal Father, offer the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and all the instruments of his holy passion. Thou may put division in the camp of thy enemies, for thy beloved, for as my beloved Son has said, a kingdom divided against itself shall fall. Our Lady of Fatima, pray for pray us. For us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, thank you, everyone. Again, thank you, as Matt, I think, was trying to say earlier, all those who joined us uh, live. We love having you here. Thanks for your comments. And we look forward to seeing you in the first day uh, of Lent next, next week, God willing, the first full day after Ash Wednesday. God bless, and see yes. you then. Definitely a day of technical difficulties. The